Welcome, everyone, to another engaging episode of this policy podcast brought to you by EDSO, the European Representation of Distribution System Operators. I'm your host, Anita Gianelli, Policy Officer at EDSO, and today we're diving deep into a topic that affects us all, customers' protection from soaring energy prices. In Europe, we have faced unprecedented challenges in recent times, not at least with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which reshaped the energy and the economic landscape. As a consequence, energy costs skyrocketed and the cost of living climbed. The impact on consumers, both vulnerable but also middle-income households, could not and still cannot be ignored. So to respond, the European Union, together with the member states, has taken extraordinary measures to support consumers as much as possible. The industry has also committed to working together to ensure that every European customer receives the necessary assistance. In this context, we, EDSO, together with other industry associations, including Birch, and I'm pointing this out because today our discussion will be with a representative of who will be introduced in a second. So together, we released a joint statement in December 2022, so one year ago, in which we expressed our commitment to the endeavor of protecting consumers from rising or high energy prices. What we want to do today is to revisit the main question behind this statement about how we can ensure that everyone from the most vulnerable to the most affluent can weather the storm. We want to understand what we learned from the past year. To discuss this question, as I as I hinted a minute ago, we're joined today by Jom Lofredo, the energy team leader at the European Consumer Organization. Together, we shall try to shed light on the challenges consumers are facing and the steps that have been taken or that are going to be taken to protect their interests. So without further ado, let's get started and welcome to you, Jo. Yeah, thanks Anita for the invitation. Let's start with a little reflection on the relevance of the declaration in today's context. The emphasis was on solidarity with vulnerable consumers but also with middle-income households at risk. And concrete actions we called for were mostly the prevention of disconnection, avoid unilateral contract changes, and to provide clear information to help consumers to understand the situation they're in and which support the industry can offer. Yes, sure. I guess that uh, everyone knows uh, electricity prices last uh, massively increased. Prices were you know, were more than three, four times higher than they were before the crisis. You know, for those consumers who were on fixed price contracts, what happened was uh, that either uh, their suppliers have uh, gone bankrupt, as it happened in Czech Republic, or because uh, their contract ended. So after that, uh, of course, the, the price the consumers pay will be updated to the new wholesale prices or because uh, suppliers who did not hedge unilaterally increased uh, the price that, uh, that consumers were paying. This created problems and uh, the energy crisis was accompanied by a cost of living, living crisis. 
So the situation was very tough last year. You know, our members, national consumer organizations, were receiving lots of queries. Our German Federation received three times the requests for support as in the previous year. So what was needed was some reassurances to consumers that suppliers, policymakers, uh, and the whole energy industry was there to, you know, to support them and to help them go through that tough period. And for this reason, we signed this, uh, this declaration containing recommendations helping consumers to, to go through this period. We were recommending, uh, as you mentioned, preventing disconnections for those who were affected by the crisis because uh, Again, this was not a problem only for vulnerable consumers. The uh, magnitude of the price increases across all sectors made the crisis a problem also for the middle class. Preventing unilateral contract changes because uh, consumers who had uh, decided to enter into an agreement for a certain duration of time, what they deserved and what they, they needed was be protected against these fluctuations in wholesale prices. Build deferrals and uh, payment plans because consumers wanted to pay for their bills. It's just that they did not have the means to do so. And the last point, which might not sound as relevant, but it was very important, is information to consumers. Consumers were bombarded by a lot of tips on how to save energy coming from uh, energy suppliers, governments, uh, the news, or I don't know, any kind of influencer or magazine. And literally they didn't know what uh, what to do. What we felt was important was, first of all, providing consumers information about how much energy they were using or where they, they were going to use and how to save energy where they're, they're, they're using or wasting too much energy. The context this year is different, but it, the declaration is still relevant for at least two reasons. One is wholesale prices, they still are not at the level that they were before the crisis. Second point is that uh, you might have consumers who are willing to contract the fixed price contract to have some guarantee over the price that they will pay for energy. Not knowing though that since hedging costs for suppliers are very high, they are forced to give uh, contracts that are very expensive. So consumers are better off with contracts without any price protection. And I mean, this is a problem that we've seen for years that consumers uh, do not receive clear information or clear advice on what kind of tariff structure is best for them. It is important that everyone steps up their effort to provide consumers advice on what offer is uh, is best for them. Uh, consumer organizations are already doing that. Uh, our Belgian member Testa Shab uh, publishes regularly articles, uh, but we feel like that there is something more that needs to be done to to allow consumers uh, making a more informed choice. And as we're just giving examples of your members. Let me underline that DSOs also have been active, for example, in the Czech Republic. A DSO had a policy, an internal policy of not disconnecting customers, but indeed reached out to them and give and gave them detailed information about the situation. So maybe we can stay with the practical. Could you give me some examples that you remember from last year? No, um, there are some, uh, you know, some good measures that were adopted in many, many countries. When it comes to banning disconnections or preventing disconnections, you know, good measures were adopted in uh, in the Netherlands and uh, and in Ireland, where the regulator extended a traditional ban on disconnections during winter times in Ireland 
or in the Netherlands, the regulator decided to ban these connections uh, for the entire duration of uh, of the energy crisis. It's important to ban these connections, but what's more important is uh, making sure that uh, these, these connections are prevented through payment plans or a range of measures like advice on energy efficiency. And uh, this is what is happening in Germany, where well, because of the energy crisis, the German government decided to introduce uh, very high protections against these connections for vulnerable consumers, requiring suppliers to, to do an, uh, an additional work in advising consumers. And so what the German government is doing is collecting evidence on uh, the effectiveness of the measure, on whether the measure is fit for purpose, with the idea of coming up with something more structural next year. Another example that uh, is interesting it's about uh, allowing consumers to pay in installments and build the first in italy all suppliers and uh, national consumer organizations signed uh, an agreement where they were allowing consumers to pay in installments uh, so one of the largest suppliers in italy actually launched a communication campaign targeting media, making sure that all major media were providing information to all consumers about uh, about this measure in the same statement, we highlighted several guiding principles, among them demand reduction measures. If you look at these O's and their involvement in such measures, how could they help consumers to reduce their energy consumption? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, you know it is a good question. The first barrier, of course, is a smart meter rollout. I mean, we know that a smart meter rollout is around 50% across Europe, and it's let's say, unevenly distributed because you have some countries where rollout is close to 100% and others where it just started or it hasn't started yet. So again, anything to accelerate smart meter rollout is, of course, uh, fundamental to allow consumers to participate in these demand reduction schemes and to uh, be remunerated for, for any demand reduction. What uh, we think that, that it was interesting during the crisis is that you had uh, some uh, some DSOs uh, involved in some demand reduction trials, like the Irish DSO, for example. And you know, all these trials have proven to be, or many of these trials have proven to be, to be successful in helping consumers save uh, some uh, some money over the past winter, which was uh, you know very much needed, and uh, also in uh, making consumers. Uh, used to engage in in, uh, in these uh, in these demand reduction schemes now for engaging consumers in flexibility i mean there are two barriers right one is the is the lack of information which uh, mostly mostly suppliers or aggregators who should take care of the second point is a little bit more culture which is in those countries where consumers are not used to dynamic price contracts they might be, let's say, unwilling to sign up for one because they might think that electricity prices will go up when uh, they are at home and they are consuming the highest amount of energy and because they're watching TV or they're cooking. And there is a little bit of stress from consumers to engage in these schemes because they feel like that uh, they will be penalized by, by these offers. So, you know, a way where DSOs could help engage in consumers in flexibility is uh, to you know to allow consumers to take uh, uh, measuring you know measuring data or electricity electricity measurements from uh, you know from from uh, data coming from heat pumps for example so that consumers with a heat pump can have a, a separate contract i think there is already solutions to have parallel meters for each device we just need again 
share the share the information with everyone. Exactly. And this sharing is, of course, already through this this podcast, but also happy to link our latest amendments to the EMD to the show notes, which give you a more detailed idea of what I've just mentioned. But yes, we are running out of time. And so I thought it would be nice to finish off by you, Young, giving us your opinion on the DSO's role in ensuring the protection of customers during the upcoming winter. And especially considering the challenges just mentioned and the learnings from last year. Are there any specific actions or responsibilities that distribution system operators should prioritize in the next month? You know, it's an important principle that uh, DSOs should integrate in their activities to provide accurate information to consumers or reliable information to consumers about uh, about their energy consumption. Because again, if they don't know how much energy they're using, they cannot possibly know the importance of saving energy, and they cannot possibly know that they, they could make they could make savings, right? Ideally, I mean, if I had, uh, you know, magic wand, uh, like, you know, the, the ideal mm-hmm. situation would be smart meter rollout tomorrow at 100%. So, I mean, in the meantime, what uh, DSOs can do is to launch communication campaigns or be among those actors that communicate to consumers about the importance of, of self-reading their analogic meter. A meter. So what's missing and what uh, you know would be uh, beneficial is again more education for consumers on how to keep track of of their energy consumption. In those countries where smart meters are already available, the existence of smart of smart of smart meters doesn't necessarily mean that consumers are able to use the information that is generated by the smart meter. So what they would need is uh, information put together in a platform that makes it easy for them to engage. While you have in some countries like in Italy, uh, suppliers that need to give in their electricity bills the breakdown of the consumption based on the different time periods. You have other countries like Denmark where vast majority of consumers are on dynamic price contracts and consumers don't have uh, available a breakdown of their consumption by uh, by time period. So DSOs, we think that they have a you know an important role there because they they are sort of the the data hub for consumers and uh, following examples of those countries where consumers already have access to to portals, online portals, allowing them to track their energy consumption and maybe also advising consumers on how to shift their energy consumption. We think that these examples should be spread across uh, you know across European. Uh, in across all DSOs. Okay, thank you so much. I take away as main messages uh, that there have been plenty of good measures in place. There's room for improvement, especially when it comes to clear and simple communication and uh, smart meter rollout. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, thanks a lot for for the invitation. It was uh, it was a pleasure. My pleasure too. Goodbye.